Hey, Steve. Uh, intro alert. Um, I'm here on a ride. Just kind of uh, got a big cold today, so I was thinking I'd uh, put in a couple of hundred K and instead I'm putting in a couple of dozen. But, uh, you know, any uh, butt time on the bike is always fun. I uh, loved, uh, I just listened to you talking to Robert Byron and I uh, always love hearing from that dude. He's, yeah, he's just the coolest. Anyways, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hello again, friends. Welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Douglas, Doug, Doug Dunlop at Cold Bike. Thanks for that voice intro. Um, really good to hear from you, man. And you're right. What do they say? One mile is better than zero miles, whether you're in a race or just want to go for a bit of a ride. And sometimes I know you can get out there and you plan to do one thing and it can turn into another thing. And I think that's okay. I have a plan today. Um, I need to start getting my shit together because I want to do the buckshot and uh, it's short. I mean, it sounds silly to some people that to say that, but it's 390 K, which is pretty short, but it's punchy. It's like 6,800 meters of climbing, um, which uh, can add a level of difficulty to these short races. (laughs) And I know that notoriously in Kamloops in that area at that time of year, the weather can be notoriously shitty. So um, I think it's just being prepared and willing to grind shit out. But anyway, so today I was hoping to head out for for 100K. Um, looking at my bike now and it's fucking motivation, man. I just, 100K is like, when it, you know, that's a six hour ride for me, you know, averaging whatever, 16, 17K an hour. Just kind of try to zone two that shit out and grind it. But uh, yeah, I just, it's hard finding the motivation, you know, to do that. And um, I just need to reframe that, get my headphones charged up get a podcast on um, and head out. And it looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day here in Invermere. So um, I should just get out there. But yeah, Doug, really good to hear from you. Those of you who don't follow at Cold Bike, make sure you do. He is going going to do the Silk Road Mountain Race this year. And um, he's been training up for that. We've been shooting the shit back and forth about gear. Um, I mean, he's super experienced cyclist so i think he's just you know reaching out getting some opinions and what he should be riding on stuff and everyone has a different opinion right like i'm uh i'm a tire volume guy um fat bike obviously is overkill but on a when i think of the silk road if i were to want to tackle the silk road and and mind you this is coming i'm looking at it through the lens of finishing it you know obviously i wouldn't be even in contention (laughs) to win something like that (laughs) But, uh, so for me, tire volume is huge. And I think that, you know, your, your interfaces, like the interface between your butt and your hands and your feet and that interface between the bike and the ground, I think is one of the most important ones. And, you know, the couple of the events I've done, I always, I always feel really, I kind of feel bad for the people who ride like 650B or, um, 700C, wheels and two inch tires and I just feel like man I, I know they're fast I mean they're they're faster but it just must beat the shit out of you like I'm I'm a 29er guy um and I've been running 2.35 inch Maxis icons for years now 
and um, they've been super reliable for me. Like Max's tires for me. Um, I, every time I try to switch tires, I'm always disappointed. Always, I'm always disappointed. Whether whether it's the bead interface, being able to mount them up and and uh, mount them up tubeless and get them inflated, it can be a pain in the ass. Um, um, just their longevity, the way they wear, um, the the way they. Uh, Max's tires just seem to go and go and go, and you can watch them tar- start to thread out on the sidewalls, and they'll still last and they'll still go. You know, I've never, honestly, I've never had a Max's tire fail on me. Um, and I rode one set of icons on the divide, and I thought about changing out my rear tire in uh, Salida because, you know, it's not far from bald <laughs> by then it was pretty, it wasn't a lot of traction on it, but I was thinking about where the, the riding conditions beyond that. And I talked to the guy at the bike shop, wish I could remember your name, absolute bikes. And, um, I said, what do you think of that tire, man? And he's just like, yeah, you know, it's a Maxis, you know, there's not a lot of tread on it, but you know, it's not weeping sealant. It's, you know, you can't see the threads on the sidewall, you know, it's probably got quite a long time left on it, quite a lot of longevity on it. So yeah, I, I rolled that thing into uh to the border and uh yeah it was bald as fuck (laughs) it was a really horrible tire by the time i got there but i guess my point is is that um when you're getting a bike ready for for something big like that i think the the first thing i do and i haven't done it yet for my bike like i said i want to do the buckshot but i I need to i need to upgrade that the drivetrain on that bike on timber but i always like to every year at the beginning of the year is a new trap new drivetrain um and like ring chain cassette. Um, I've never been a fan of like just changing one part of that mechanism because everything wears together. And uh, I always find when I change one piece, I don't like the way it feels. Uh, they can get kind of uh, uh, growly and angry. You know, if you put a new chain on kind of a stretched out um, drivetrain, to me, this is just the way I've always done it. I'm not saying it's the right thing. And I tend not to rotate chains and I don't do that. I just put a, a drivetrain on. And I just ride it until it's, until it's done, basically. And, you know, maybe uh, I've heard people say there's, there's some value in, in flipping chains because you can extend the longevity of your drivetrain. I, I just haven't done that in the past, and maybe it's something I should think about. But yeah, drivetrain, um, obviously that's, that's massive. That's, that's like one of the, the primary things. Because, I, I mean, even today on this 100K, I'm like, oh, I don't have a stretch uh, a chain measuring tool. Um, which really sucks because I'd like to know the condition of that chain. Um, but you know, I think about how shitty my drivetrain is and if I'm going to snap a chain out there, but you know, whatever, I'll deal with it. I've got a toolkit. Um, I can fix it if need be. And then, and then, um, and then tires. Yeah. Having, having a good set of tires on there is, is super essential. I think on a big ride as well, I think fit obviously is, is huge. And, um, uh, Ryan Draper at Cycling, this isn't an ad because I, I don't have a promo code for a bike fit for Ryan, but um, uh, Ryan Draper, can he can even do remote fits. So if you reach out to Cycling 101, talk to Ryan Draper about fit. Um, I did send him one once because uh, Timber, despite Timber being custom built for me and my dimensions, I still wanted Ryan to have a look at my position on the bike. And obviously without him being there and taking measurements, um, it's it's hard to... It's hard to say whether the bike, quote unquote, fits me. Um, so yeah, you can like reach out to Ryan and even send him some videos 
of, of you, you on your bike, whether on a trainer, or in my case, I didn't have a trainer. I was out on the Legacy Trail, and this was uh, pre-Tour Divide. And uh, I rode back and forth a couple times. He's like, yeah, you look good. You look like you're in a good position. You know, the bike looks like it fits you really well. And and uh, and so when I, anyway, when I finished uh, the Divide, I felt great. I had no hand numbness, none. I had uh, no elbow pain. or um, I, I tend to get, um, especially when I ride distances on a flat bar, tend to get really like gnarly elbows but um yeah i had no pain no back pain um no shoulder upper back neck hand numbness i didn't have any of that which speaks volumes to the way my bike fits i think so um i think having a bike that fits you really well is is really good as well um, and having a lot of space on it uh, especially up front um since i got my rolling dale and it's built pretty long i'm really appreciating the amount of space there is um, in front of my knees in terms of just clearance of things and just just uh, just feels a lot more open up front where I, you know sometimes um, if you're riding your your normal mountain bike um, you know that that might fit you really well on the trail but uh, oftentimes it could be beneficial to maybe slide your seat back a little bit and maybe install a bit of a longer stem just to kind of stretch that out especially for long distances I think you'll you'll find that being stretched out a little bit is a bit more beneficial than being kind of crunched on a bike. Um, that doesn't fit you, you know, supremely like you'd kind of want. Um, yeah, I digress. I've been blah, blah, blah. Here I go again. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if give, give Doug a follow and, uh, watch him progress into his training and whatnot, you'll notice he shaved his beard off, which is crazy. It's crazy to see his face. <laughs> I don't know the last time I saw his face, but the, the other thing I wanted to, to say about Doug is, um, you know, I've talked about Alan Green quite a bit. He's he's my friend who who picked me up in um, in New Mexico and took me to, to El Paso to get me uh, home to Canada. So he was my endpoint logistics, and Doug Dunlop was my Canadian logistics guy. And I don't know if I've really thanked Doug enough for helping me out. He he came to the airport, picked me up, uh, got me to his place. Uh, he had to work the next day, and um, he worked all day, and then I just, I basically just hung out in his house, <laughs> and he has an espresso machine, drank coffee, and ate some food out of my frame bag, and waited for him to get off work, and then he drove drove him back to Invermere uh, that evening, and um, I think that's one of the hardest parts sometimes uh, of dealing with, especially a, a long route, an A to B route, is the, the endpoint logistics, is how am I going to get there, where am I going to put my car, um, and then when I get to the B, how am I going to get back? How am I going to get back? How am I going to get back to my car? Um, so, so honestly, a lot of times getting to and from these events is, is harder than the event itself. Getting on the bike and riding for 400K, that's easy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pedal your bike, eat food, manage your body. Uh, but sometimes it's just like, like when I get out to Kamloops, luckily, luckily it's a loop, but, um, you know, I'm going to, um, basically I've got to drive six hours to get there for one, you know, into the middle of the province and then do this 400 K ride. Hopefully I can knock it out in a couple of days. Hopefully I don't feel like I'm really ready. And then I got to drive my ass back, um, either to work or to pick up my kids or whatever that may be. So it's, so it's, it's like, those are the, it seems like sometimes the, the endpoint logistics are the hardest part, but I certainly haven't thanked Doug enough for him helping me out 
at the end and uh it was really good to to drive back from calgary to invermere with my buddy doug and uh, shoot the shit about riding bikes and all sorts of stuff he's a, an awesome conversationalist and i do plan i've already reached out to him i want to get him on at some point and we'll just chat about kind of what he's doing to prepare the gear etc 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 so uh doug yeah thanks and if you want to send me a voice intro you can you can whip out your device record me something and send it to myback 40 podcast at gmail.com you can send voice intros feedback guest suggestions reach out to say hello um sometimes people will send me emails that i read on the show because i think there's so many people out there who have so much wisdom to share and oftentimes when i um, read some of these emails and people are sharing experiences or or even advice with me because of you know life everyone <laughs> needs life needs life advice sometimes um I'm, I'm often moved by the emails i receive and uh i one of the things i'm 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 grateful for uh, for this podcast is the community of people that uh we have here you know who you know if, if you're going to an, do an event and you need had a question you needed answered you reach out to me you reach out to doug you could reach out to the community anybody in the my back 40 community and they're going to step up and they're going to help you out and they're going to give you some sound sage advice to help you accomplish your your goals so that's what i really think uh, that's what i'm grateful for for what we have built here at my back 40 so um it's just great. It's great that we can reach out to one another. And, and actually, um, I want to thank Tom Ebern for, uh, kicking into the podcast. And we actually met in Canmore, um, a couple of days ago and had coffee and it was great. It was great to, to meet and chat with Tom. It's, I always love meeting people in real life. You know, I have this, you know, I've said this before, this podcast always seems like it's a one way relationship It's me talking, you listening, but it's not, it's your engagement is so important to me. And, um, when I get the chance to meet people in real life, uh, I, I just, I love it. I love the ability to just put, um, faces to names and, um, I may not remember your face <laughs> in the future. I'm horrible at that. I've had a horrible, I had a horrible experience on the tour divide, um, when I forgot someone's face and, uh, I carried it. Honestly, I carried it for a couple of days. It was horrible. Um, but you know, what do you do? I, I'm just the type of guy that beats, beats himself up about that kind of thing, but, uh, I got over it. Um, but yeah, it was great to sit down with Tom. He's gonna he's riding the Tour Divide northbound this summer. So we talked a little bit about my, you know my experience, and and Tom has tons of endurance cycling experience. He's he's gonna do awesome. But uh, I think next time I if 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 and when I ride it again, I think I might go northbound. I think there's to be something something to be said for riding home, you know, like riding to your home rather than riding away from it. You definitely feel when you're you know, I live in Invermere, which is like an hour and a half from Banff. Um, and, and I felt like when I left uh, Banff, started riding south, you can feel the stretch, you know, that the, the, your connection to your to your community kind of stretch and stretch and stretch. And it gets further away and further away. And that homesickness can, can kind of kick in. I think northbound might be a different experience because you're basically riding home. Um, but, uh, obviously that comes with its different challenges. I think one of the, the benefits I, I would imagine would be getting North and not having to deal with all the snow or not to deal with as much snow, um, which would be kind of nice, perhaps even drier roads. Uh, again, I think there's that window of time on the divide where you're kind of between crazy monsoon season and crazy snow season up North. It's, it's kind of this, uh, happy medium. 
but um yeah it was great to sit down with tom and again another reason why you know i love the i love the, the community and, and getting together with people and and uh, like i said tom tom had pitched into the podcast he, he found value in it and he donated to me on paypal and and uh it was just great to be able to thank him in person and uh, if you find value in the podcast the easiest way to support it is to give me a five-star rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. Um, also, if you find value and you want to support me financially, uh, you can sign up as a patron on my Patreon, patreon.com slash myback40. And what I've been doing lately is I'll finish this podcast, I'll tidy it up, and I'll export it into MP3, and I'll upload it to Patreon first. So I'll give my supporters uh first grabs at the conversations and then usually midweek i'll put it out to uh, the public so that's kind of what i've been doing so if you're a five dollar patron and up you will get early access to episodes so that's just my way of saying thank you and um you know one-time donations work uh, patreon works um i don't have anything in the store uh, i just don't have the capital right now i've just been um i've been i've just been surviving right now and uh my my goal as i become more established get my feet on the ground is to fill the store back up again with stickers and t-shirts and hats and stuff that i had before um and that 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 poses its own challenges it's like when i had the store and the store was kind of busy it was uh you know it's that extra layer of intensity and in, in fulfilling orders and back and forth to the post office and managing shipping costs and Ugh, yeah, <laughs> it has its own challenges, but uh, I really like uh, I really liked uh, getting some of my product out there. Some of the T-shirts, like Ken Ken Chernoff designed the Oasis T-shirt, which I which I adore. Uh, I might have a couple left. Uh, if you want one, reach out to me and uh, I'll see what sizes I have. I'll have to check the inventory. I only have a couple though, and I have an old school one as well, like the original with just the Mybach Forty on the front. And I think I might have some a couple women's uh, cap sleeve tees left. I think I do have a bunch of stickers, um, but uh, yeah, anyway, hopefully I'll get that going in the near future. But yeah, so those are some ways you can support me. And, and another great way to support me is to support my supporters like Redshift Sports. I just received a pair of their Arclight Pro pedals, um, the flat pedals, and I'm really excited to use them. I'm going to take them for a 100K ride today. Obviously, I won't need the lights. Um but I'll, I'll give them a test. I'll post a, a photo of the pedals at night. And I, I can tell you right now, they're so fucking bright. <laughs> they're crazy bright. Like the pedals in combination with a blinky, um, there's no way that you're not going to be seen out there on the street. And I know that's becoming more and more important um, for those of us who need to train, train in the evenings in the dark. And, and that's, you know, obviously it's summer now, lights longer, but um, the runtime of these lights on eco mode again i haven't played around too too much with them but in the literature it says 32 hours or 34 hours which when you think of it depending on how much if you know if you're not riding all the way through the night you get days and days out of the leds on these pedals um, so i'm really looking forward to trying them out um the the platform i've been running crank brothers flats after my one-up alloy flats failed uh, i picked those up on the divide <clears throat> And uh, I don't prefer them. They don't hold my foot in place very well. Um, so far, I haven't pedaled the Redshift Sports ones, but uh, their platform is a lot bigger. So I'm really looking forward to giving it a try. And uh, like I've said in the past, Redshifts, just they make awesome shit. It's functional. It's elegant. 
So right now my bike is equipped with the Arclight flat pedals. I've got the shock stop suspension stem and I've got their suspension C post and not the pro, just the regular. And, um, the suspension is amazing. Like it's, it's a game changer, especially the seat post. I'm finding I get the most action out of that thing on washboard and, and, uh, really, really butters up the trail nicely. So if you want to support the podcast, a good way to, would be to reach out to Redshift Sports, drop the code MB40 to save 15% on their stuff. So redshiftsports.com, check out their product. They've got a lot of cool stuff. They're super innovative. They're always coming up with new stuff and new ideas. And um, specifically right now with suspension, if you want to soften up your fully rigid rig, I would highly recommend Redshift Sports. So MB40 is going to save you 15%. I talk about Dynamic Cyclist all the time. One of my longest supporters. MB40 is going to save you 25% off their programming. Yoga, stretching, mobility, injury, injury prevention. Um, it, it's this, Their programs are fantastic. They're easy to follow. 15 to 20 minutes a day. And that'll keep you mobile. And you're going to feel stronger and better and more comfortable on your bike. So don't forget about Dynamic Cyclist. You're going to love it. MB40 will save you 25%. I also want to mention Cycling 101 again. If you're not happy with your training program, and I always say this, there's always people out there you can talk to. Everyone's got a different opinion on what the best training program is. The advantage that Ryan brings to the table is that he's going to fit a training program that fits into your busy lifestyle. You know, we all don't have eight hours a day to train and to eat and recover. We've got to fit this stuff in between work, between family, and sometimes that can be difficult. And Ryan's the guy who's going to do that for you. And if you sign up with Cycling 101 and Ryan Draper, you are going to get 25%. Sorry, that's not true. You're going to get 50% off. <laughs> You're going to get half off your first month of coaching. So don't be afraid. Reach out to Ryan. Have a chat. See what he can offer. And use that code MB40. And you're going to save 50% off your first month of coaching. All right. This week on the podcast, I'm bringing you a conversation with Matthew Cady, author dietitian, bike pack route planner, bike packer, racer. You'll also know him from the BT 700 and also the great Northern bike packing route, which we talk about at length in this podcast. Now, this is a route that goes basically from uh, coast to coast across Canada. Distance, 14,232 kilometers. Elevation gain, are you ready? 140,000 meters. Um, And that's, you know, the the trail is still under development and he's looking for contributors to to go out and basically ride some of these uh, sections to basically vet them to make sure that they're open and not private land and all this kind of stuff. Can you imagine trying to create a route across Canada and the amount of of resources you'd have to rely on to build something like that? So uh, approximately uh, 80% dirt. 80% 80% dirt across Canada. Could you imagine that? Um, and 20% pavement, which, you know, that's a lot of pavement when you think of that. What's that, like 2,000K of pavement? But it's um, it's it's an amazing, amazing-looking route. And if you head on over to greatnorthernbikepacking.com, you can learn more about that route. And also, you can head to the bt700.ca uh, to find information about... Um, the BT-700, the BT-700XL, the GNR, and a whole bunch of other routes that he's either created or helped other route creators create. So without further delay, I bring you Matthew Cady. Hello. There we go. Holy crap. What a scramble. <laughs> what a scramble. I was like, should I just deal with the... Uh, 
the noise at the other place or pack up like cords and cables and electronics <laughs> and run across the street. I'm glad I did though. I'm glad I did. Here I am. <clears throat> so yeah, I was just saying, I was saying I only deserve the best. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, it just means less editing in the end. Right. So my glass of water. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah. So good to see you. It's been a while. It's been a really long time. Yeah, it's been a couple of years at least. For yeah. Sure. Um, like I was, we were talking about, <clears throat> I kind of stopped their conversation short because we were, t- we were talking about stuff and I like recording everything <laughs> we were talking about. So yeah, I had to come across to this, this Airbnb unit and you were talking about how Airbnbs are so expensive and it's like, um, like in Canada, whenever I would, you know, if I was shopping for a hotel room, if, if I could find something for a hundred bucks Canadian, like that's, you know, acceptable, I guess. But then when I was in on the tour divide in the States, <clears throat> it was like a hundred bucks US, like 130 bucks for like these super basic, like nothing units. I was in Del Norte and I paid $90 and it was a shithole. It was just the, it was so gross. Like I was checking for bed bugs and it was a rough neighborhood, you know, drug dealing and all sorts of stuff going on. I was paying like 89 US, whatever that is. 110, 120 bucks Canadian for this horrible room. What's your experience? Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no consistency with the value. Like, for example, when we were on the Log Drivers Waltz last year doing the Grand Depart, uh, I think it was uh, one of those chain hotels. I can't remember which one, but like, yeah, I think it was $120 for a room. And then the breakfast was just like, they, they handed you to this brown bag and uh, it had like a granola bar and <laughs> um that's the COVID. but then you could get one with yeah the covid breakfast yeah right? the covid thing <laughs> <laughs> and it was like there was like no covid to be found really anymore <laughs> that's so but, funny you know they just adopted it so well everything's expensive now like yeah just everything's expensive uh i can't believe the price of food is crazy right now um yeah, it's it's just it's just everything's going up and it's becoming harder and harder to to make ends meet, you know, like um yeah, it's just really tough. But uh I have a good tent, so I'll sleep in my tent <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah, and that's for one reason I always try to find the the trail angels on my roots. Give yeah. people you know, a place that doesn't cost $200. <laughs> um I know this isn't, I mean, we, 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 we're on here to talk about the BT and the GNR and, but, uh, how did you like the log drivers? Uh, it's, that's a great route. Like we, the quality of the gravel roads and the trails that that way are like world-class, like amazing, like Jen and Eric have put together an amazing route. Uh, so for people who don't know it, like <clears throat> it's in kind of Eastern Ontario and then into Quebec in Ottawa area. Um, yeah, it was, it was the first time I've ever actually done a Grand Depart that's not like my own own one. So I, it was kind of interesting. I didn't have to stress about anything. I could just show up and ride, yeah. which is great. But <clears throat> the weather was epic. Worst rain I've ever, oh. ever, three three days, I think three and a half days of just, oh my God. I've, I mean, the, we, I, we for sure tested that stuff was waterproof. Like I've never ridden that much rain in my entire life. It was insane. 
but uh, and it really proved. I, I hooked up with a couple riders, and like if you can get with the right crew, it's it's a it's a world of difference. Did you do it by yourself? Were you alone? No, uh, I think for one day I was alone, but then for the rest of the the ride, um, me and two other guys kind of like followed the same path. We we had like the same distance goals and the same mentality. So it really kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah. It's nice when you uh, can kind of gel with a crew. Um, yeah. Yeah. I rode, I rode with a lot of the same people on the divide and it, it was, uh, when you would part ways, even if it was temporary, it was, it was tough because you make, you kind of forge these relationships with people when you're on the trail a little bit. And, and when you, I mean, my buddy, tim wagner when he he ended in frisco and then i i like busted my ass to catch him so i could hang out with him a little bit in frisco before i went on because i just wanted some tim time (laughs) you know because i knew Mm -hmm. i probably wouldn't see him like i'd love to see him again but but after that it's it's like it's amazing you spend time on the trail with people and and when they leave it's it's like there's there's a bit of grief and loss i find you know um Especially if you're not, um, especially if you spend a lot of time alone after you've been spending time with a lot of people and then you're alone for a really long time, finds like, man, you really miss those people, you know? Yeah, I, I could, I can see that. And one of the things I never even thought about when I was making roots and stuff is just like the amount of friendships that could kind of get forged from them. Like people are right. Like now they're like riding partners like all the time together and they never knew each other until they met like on some like, you know, shitty ATV tra- trail on the BT or something like that. Uh, and it's like, I've gone on like at least three bikepacking trips with somebody I met through the BT 700. Um, so it's, it's, I think that type of community is really like a wonderful thing. And I never, I never even envisioned that when I, just making the roots. I thought like, you know, bike packing is this solitary kind of thing or just something you do with your, your, your spouse or a loved one or whatever. But uh, I never thought that so many people would like form these kind of like long-term friendships from. Yeah. And it's like, I think for me, I was kind of looking up the calendar this summer and because of my parenting schedule, it, it, it just so happens that every, almost every event except for the buckshot, I, I'm going to have my kids on that weekend. So it's going to be hard oh, for me yeah. to do that. But but when I when I think about, uh, quote, missing out on a grand depart, it's like I think that's that's sometimes the most exciting part is, you know, you, you arrive in a town, <clears throat> a town maybe the day before, and then you you hit the starting line, and then there's just all these people, and it's just this, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, especially nowadays with social networking, a lot of our, a lot of my relationships are electronic. Like I, I, I know a lot of people in the my back, back forty community, but you know sometimes I only see those people at a grand depart, right? And it's it's like I feel like such a dummy because I'll I'll see someone like hey Steve, and it's like what's your name? <laughs> it's like it's Mark. Yeah. Oh, I'm Mark, dude. Like you know, it's 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 because it's out of context. Sometimes it's just really difficult, but. But so wonderful, and and just the the energy that you, that you experience at the Grand Depart. I think when we first talked about the BT, was it your first BT? And you were talking about how you could feel that energy 
pretty sure you and I were talking about that. Just that. Yeah, probably. That. In the morning, like it's incredible. Like, okay, so for any of your listeners who are listening that are into bikepacking, everyone should try at least one grand depart. Like, I know some people just don't feel like they need to do that. Like, they're like kind of um, solo riders. That's their mentality. They just love doing it on their own. But yeah, I'm even like that. But you, you can't. You can't match what a, a grand depart is because just what you said, the energy is amazing. Um, the people you meet and it's just so much fun to see other people out there. I mean, maybe fun's not the word, but people who are struggling like with you, like you're not the only one out there having a tough time when it's, um, for example, last year's grand depart on the BT7. We had like three days in June. It shouldn't be like that, but three days, they had to, it had to be like 35 degrees every day. So everyone is struggling out there at that time and it's not just you if you're only at like if you're the only one out there on the route and it's crappy and things are going bad um that's really where i think kind of you can have like mental issues like having trouble keeping going and whatever but you have people out there who you can see are having the same troubles as you are then i think that can really motivate you to keep going it's a it's a test I think that's when you're yes. really tested. Um, last summer, my buddy, my buddy Dave Williamson, he he started the, he started the the tour divide, and um, he was by himself for like nine days. And he said he's never. That's been, a long time. <laughs> yeah, like he's never yeah. been by him by himself for so long. And I know, talking about the difference between, you know, ITTs and and Grand Departs, it's like I've. When I did the yo-yo, I I I started that as an ITT, and I didn't meet meet anybody until like two days in, and I and I left. I went the opposite way, so I kind of ran into this tidal wave of of people, and um, um, so I was alone basically for you know two three days, and it wasn't too hard, but I did have a couple of breakdowns. Like you know, just you feel super lonely and. <laughs> And, and then when you see those people, it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's only two days yet. It's like, it's so exhilarating to run into like-minded people, you know? But so I, I, I agree. Yeah. And I, I don't know what I, I'm not sure what I would have done on that long driver's waltz last year in that rain for three days. If I was just me, like just on the route all on my own with like no one else out there. Um, I may have been calling my partner Tabby for. <laughs> Please, can he drive six hours to come and get me? That that's um, against the rules. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we always joke about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. We I don't know. We could talk about the rules, which which you know that's the last couple of days that or last couple of years that's kind of that's been pretty heightened. You know, in terms of rules, especially with the elite, um, but I, I saw some instances on on the divide where, you know, partners would show up and you would see the the hesitance in the rider who really wanted to follow the rules to even not go near them, or you know, not even um, you know get a hug from them or something. And it's like, <laughs> wow, man, uh... it's like it's not like you. You know, it was it was a bit of a surprise. You know, it's like, what are you gonna do? I mean, I don't know. What are you gonna do? And, and yeah, I, I have no, I I have no interest in making that making that my world. 
No, I know, no, I, I could. Yeah, it's it just it's not what. I, I mean, I come from a like a cycle touring background, like well before bike packing or whatever, and there was just none of that. So I guess it just I guess it's just not a mentality, and it kind of, some of it kind of comes through in how I and I'd probably been a little too loose with that at times. I think you know people who are. I mean, there's people like. For example, this year I have a, a racing or FKT category and then a touring category. And that I think I just <clears throat> wanted to separate it a little more. So so for the people who really are eager to try for a best time and test it out, then you could put in a few kind of stipulations there. I mean, the biggest ones are you need to kind of follow the route as plotted. And I don't know, not get in a car. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put in a stipulation if somebody is on the side of the road and wants to hand you a banana, you have to say no to the banana. Yeah. Like that 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 is that is so fucked up. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's I mean it's it's there's yeah. so many layers to it, Matt. I think it's especially if you're if you're an elite racer and these fastest known times and you're going for a fastest known time. I think it's it on the flip side of that to be kind of missed like Mr. Grumpy old white man, but it's like, I think there needs to be some construct, right? Especially if there's going to be, it's just like, you know, if it were the, you know, the Olympic games, right. There's, there's an entire construct of rules around mm-hmm. a competition. So I think there's a place for it, but I, I think that the, I don't know, I, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but it's like, it just depends on what your goals are, you know, like, no, I agree. Like if you just want to finish it, think... like I just wanted to finish the divide and yeah, I got, I got relegated for, um, uh, going off route, um, and stuff like that. But, it, but in the end, as I got deeper into it, it's like, I just want to have a good time. You know, I, you know, it's, it, it I hope it's not going to be the last time I ride it and maybe next time I ride it differently. But at this time I just want to, you know, time is so precious and, and I just really wanted to have a good time is what I really wanted. I wanted to ride hard, but have a good time. And I'm so like far from being elite and, you know, being, you know, in contention at all that it's just like, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But I know I did, I did get pretty sour when, when, uh, when, when you looked at track leaders and there was a bunch of, um, like broom like the sweet the cleanup crew and it's yeah, just like, I, remember that. I was really oh, i was God. really sour <laughs> and and maybe i guess maybe that's kind of normal um i don't know but I, I just think that you know everyone's out there doing the best they can right and it's like to to relegate someone for being for basically not trying hard enough <laughs> so so you're not trying hard enough you don't count you're behind this line so you're you know you know i just i just think i just feel like and we can even talk about i don't want to get too deep into the into i was just talking about you know even even gender right it's like we're all just dots on a map it doesn't matter if we have a penis or not it doesn't matter how we identify it's we should all just be a bunch of dots because because i mean in terms of having a women's class and a men's class women are crushing it right <laughs> women are, are fucking crushing these events and um sometimes i wonder if there should be categories at all it's like just one category bike packer 
I'm going to start today and I'm going to finish when I finish. And this is my time and this is my place. And that's, that's what it is. Cause like Megan hacking and she, she messaged me. She's like, Oh, I'm going to go in the buckshot. Cause I'm, th- I'm pretty certain I'm going to go in the buckshot this year. Cause I've been wanting to. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go in the buckshot. And I was thinking about her and it's like, she's going to crush it. She's going to do it in less than two days. Right, she's not going to sleep. She's she's going to bring her gravel yeah, bike yeah. with some food, and the only time you'll see her is at the start line. Exactly. She, I can guarantee she, that. <laughs> she said, "Oh, it'd be great to catch up." And I, my comment was, "There's no catching up with you, Megan." <laughs> no. But I have an idea, Steve. You gave me an Tell idea me. there. Do you think on like this year's BT seven hundred grand apart? So on the track thing, maybe if you're going too slow. I should have like a butter tart that's following this the last person <laughs> and you'll, you'll get like sucked up by the butter tart. Sucked if you don't go fast tart. enough. <laughs> no, the butter tart should be out in front. Like the carrot, like the, Oh, that's true. The proverbial the carrot. Car, yeah. <laughs> oh, butter tart. Oh. oh man. That's funny. Uh, okay. Hey, well let's, let's digress a little bit. So okay. yeah. um, it's been a couple of years since we've chatted. So why don't you um, tell people who you are and what you're about? Okay, so I'm obviously Matthew Katie. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, I'm, I mean, my profession is a food writer, nutritionist, and dietitian. Um, but what eats up so much of my time is developing bike packing routes in various places. Uh, what else can I say? Oh, there's a lot, a lot more than that. Come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like you, so you, you develop routes. Uh, didn't you develop a route in Costa Rica? I have a route in Costa Rica that's still doing really well. Like every year there's, I hear people like they send me messages and I was in like this town and there were like bike packers from Spain and bike packers from England and stuff like that on the route. Uh, it's a great route because it's good for people in the winter. And it's generally when you bike pack, Costa Rica is not that expensive. Um, it's a hard route, but not like stupid, crazy hard, like not like a suffer fest all the time. Yeah, you have to like the heat because it's totally incredibly hot there. Um, but other than that, but I mean, yeah, I'm super happy how that uh, that route's kind of kept going. Um, and then, yeah, I have five routes in Ontario now, I think. Do I got that right? Four or five. And, so, and what are they? Tell them. Tell everyone. What we got are. the BT 700, which was the original one and still, still my baby. <laughs> the one that I, I love the most. Uh, there's a Grand Nith Ramble, which is, um, short form for the GNR, which is a great kind of ur- more, a little more urban and more trail oriented one. And that, that's probably like, that might be actually the most popular just because it's close to, um, some major centers and also people can do it in a long weekend, something like that. And that, that one actually blew up during COVID because it was just like, people wanted these close to home adventure and they could just do it over three days. Or something like that. Um, then there's the Farmer's Folly, which kind of goes in some of the same areas of BT, but uses a bunch of different roads. That actually might be my favorite one because I just um, kind of love how that all kind of mingles together and with a, a mixture of kind of unmaintained roads and trails and some really nice gravel roads. There's the Hasty Highlander, which is more east, and that's kind of in um, the the Highlands area of like kind of central Ontario, and also takes in Algonquin Provincial Park, which is our first provincial park, not our largest, but I think it was the first provincial park in Ontario. So that's kind of a little more of a wilderness one. So um, 
be a little more kind of out there, I would say, for Ontario, for Southern Ontario. Um, and then I have a shorter one that's called like, I kind of coined it the no winter maintenance route because it just uses a ton of no winter maintenance roads. So much fun. And actually we do a weekend on that one in June. So we do a group ride and then it's two days. And then we have a designated overnight camping spot where everybody gets together. We have a live band. Um, we have this year, we have a food truck that's going to be there serving everyone. So that's pretty good. It's actually getting pretty popular. I have, a, I think over a hundred people signed up for that one already. So it's a super fun weekend. We did it the first time last year and it was like, it was so, so much fun to, because the difference is with the BT Grand Depart, everybody's like staying in different places, like all the time. But this one, like everyone starts off, they go at different paces, but at night, like everyone is together at the same place. So it's super fun to see how everyone's kind of like interacting and you can see everyone at the same kind of lodge and camping ground, which is, uh, I think, pretty unique for bikepacking. That doesn't usually happen very often. And then you have the BTXL too, right? Yeah, this year, <laughs> I decided to put in like this crazy route where it includes a bunch of the stuff that I've kind of taken out over the years with the BT700. Just, you know, they're, they're a little crazy, but I'm like, you know what? There's some people that want to suffer more. So I'm going to make the BTXL, which is like, I think that's probably like 850 kilometers. And it's it's got some, it's got more single track and it's got some really some really hairy kind of back road kind of stuff in there. So you have to be ready for that one. I think that that's, that's an advanced route, I would say for sure. Mentally and physically. So. Yeah. It's good to have a mix, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, I think, you know, when I think about some of the more technical routes in in BC, it's like, you know, the lost elephant route is, is it tends to be fairly, fairly gnarly. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a huge bushwhack, right? Well, it, it changes all the time. Yeah, it changes. I'd like to try to get out there and, and do it again this year if I can find some time. I'll probably end up just ITTing it. But um, yeah, there's the, a couple years. I you know the first year was a bushwhack one way, and then it was a downhill bushwhack, and then the next year I did it. It was uphill bushwhack, <laughs> the same bushwhack but uphill. Like, like I consider taking my pedals off. That's how like wow. knotted and and crazy it was. Um, but I think that, you know, and, and even the divide is a bit like that. There's the odd section. That's just, there's a little bit of gnarliness, right? Like mm -hmm. nothing too crazy, but I think if it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's good to have a mix. I think it's, it's good to be, to have to get off the bike and like drag your bike up something, you know, like just as kind of a test of your <laughs> metal, I guess yeah you know just because i don't know just sitting and spinning on gravel roads is is great but but having the the variety is also wonderful oh you need to mix it up like people do like i get some compliments just because i'm very good at as you say like mixing it up like you know 10 kilometers of gravel road okay that's enough like is there a trail in here is there some sub, something else that's a little different just to just to add variety into a route i can't like, um, I remember when I was, we were, I was helping out a bit, like just, you know, with some ideas, building the log drivers waltz route out east with, uh, Jen and Eric. And we were in agreement is like, you can only do the rail trail for, <laughs> you know, 10 kilometers or 15, but that's it, man. You got to get off. 
and I was like, so we, you know, I get, we had, he showed me some ideas and then I remember I was doing the log driver's waltz last year. I'm like, yeah, I got to get off this fucking <laughs> rail trail. But it was like this really hilly section. I was pretty tired. It started to rain. I was like, oh, maybe that rail trail wouldn't be so bad. Right. That's the thing, right. It's like, you, yeah. it's like even paved sections, like, you know, you'd, you'd be riding like a hundred miles of washboard and then you'd hit the pavement. And it was just the fucking best. Thing. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> And people don't, people are like, oh, I don't want pavement, bike pack, no pavement. Sometimes you get on the pavement and that is like, wonderful. oh my God, that is like the greatest thing ever. Like, yeah. and there, <laughs> there, you can just eat it. Yeah. Yeah, and there've been you times. You can eat up miles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you, not only you can eat up miles, but you can eat, right? Yeah. You can just, <laughs> you can pull out some food and eat and relax. Maybe yeah. go, go no hands and, you know, charge some shit on the fly. And then I, I remember sometimes on some routes, just. Um, you'd get off the pavement onto something and you're kind of like, man, I just I kind of wish we were back on the pavement. Yeah, here we I'm go. not ready for the washboard yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good to have a mix. Well, it sounds like, you know, Ontario is a huge, like, uh, cult of bike packers out there. I think, you know, the oh, population density is so, yeah. is so dense. And then you've, you've, you, you need these routes. Like you need to have all these routes. Yeah, we have, uh, if you connected them all and which I have kind of just out of fun, just to see what it's like. And just in some like kind of central to Southern Ontario, it's, it's over 6,000 kilometers now of, of connecting. You could just connect everything and just keep going. So, and that's not even like um, Northern Ontario, which is a little more difficult because there's just not as much like roads and, and trails um, to kind of connect. There's opportunities there, but uh um yeah so the scene here is just gone crazy it's amazing is is the canadian shield just really difficult to navigate is is there just not a lot of logging up there going on where there's roads that you can connect there is yeah i think there's stuff up there but any main like the problem is any like paved roads could be just the one or two paved roads in the area um so they can be ex surprisingly busy um we could talk about that more later when i talk about the the cross country route there um and also it's hard to know kind of where like some of the logging roads are and they change what those conditions are sometimes they could be totally like unpassable after a while uh, i'll admit like i don't know as much about that area as some people do i know like up in sault st marie they're pretty passionate like of building routes up there and they have a lot more gravel roads, but um, yeah, Northern Ontario is a tough one. So it's still, but I think there's more potential there. So hopefully some people are listening to this that live up there and, you know, we'd like to see more routes like in Northern Ontario for sure. Yeah. There must be some like really yeah. old classic, like trapping trails and stuff that you could connect together with roads and, and go. Yeah. Somebody said, somebody sent me one like that, but he's like, uh, he even admitted you kind of have to be backcountry kind of aware and comfortable in that stuff because you are <laughs> you are out there. There's no there's no Tim Hortons around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, where's Timmy's? <laughs> That's so funny. That's like I miss that in the states, man. No Tim Hortons. Oh, Tim Hortons. You know, love it or hate it, but man, it's there when you need it on these routes. Like I'm telling you, and it's open more than other places. And yeah. 
Uh, it's it's my go-to destination a lot of times for food. Yeah, that's like when you search yeah. Google Maps for resupply. <laughs> Is <laughs> there Tim Hortons in this town? There's got to be a Tim Hortons in this town. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the cross-country route. You sent that to me, I don't know, it seemed like a few weeks ago or a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, talk, Tell me about it. Okay, you're, so... you're coming out here to ride a bit of it too, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So, yeah, we can go into that. Uh, so there's always been a question, can there be a proper cross-country, cross-Canada bikepacking route? Um, I mean, you've probably heard them too. Like a lot of people have cycled across Canada over the decades. It's the second largest country. It's this mega, mega ride that a lot of people want to do. Um, and I, you know, I hear people doing it all the time, but I have to admit to you, Steve, like a lot of times when I hear people's description of cycling across Canada, it makes me want to take up golf. Like, it's just, it doesn't sound like that much fun. It's just a lot of busy roads, a lot of rail trail. And th that's probably just me. It's just not my thing. So I never even considered cycling across Canada. I was always like, oh, you know, the great divide would be way better. Or even some of the cross country routes in the States sound actually a little more interesting um, because it was just like a lot of, a lot of paved roads, like a lot of like kind of maybe boring stretches in the prairies, a lot of rail trail. And then, so I've always been kind of like, oh, I wonder if you could actually create like a proper bike packing route. Um, and I know people have cycled across Canada and they call it bike packing, which is, which is fine. Um, but there's actually no route because it was just a, a road, like a like a ride that they did. So it's not actually a route if you just rode. Like, I don't know if that makes sense or not. To me, a route is like something that's kind of published and it's, you know, it's being works being put into it to like with services and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it was just like, so I've been kind of thinking about it. And then this winter I had, I was just playing around. I had a little bit of time on my hand. I was like, oh, I, I kind of wanted to create like something across BC because you guys have like, it's almost all there already. Mm -hmm. Like, but there's actually no, like, I haven't seen anything published that's across BC. And I thought, you know, that'd be a fun route to a ride for me to try someday. And I had friends that went up there last summer and they rode from Kelowna, I think Kelowna to Canmore. Um, using some of the BC Epic and then some of the, some other stuff like that. And they, you know, we sat down for a, like a photo presentation. I'm like, oh my God, that looks so awesome. Um, and they were talking, they were on like the high Rockies trail. You've done that, right? Yeah. And that sounds like, oh my God, I want to do that so badly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's doesn't have the best flow. Um, yeah. But it is, it's, it's a cool piece of single track for sure. Yeah. Better than being yeah. on the dusty road for sure. Yeah, I've heard the parallel dusty roads not that great brutal. Yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so I just started playing with that, and then so I got this, you know, I made it from like Victoria to, um, well, to Alberta. So, so just let's say I went from Victoria to Canmore, and I was like, wow, that looks like a great route. And then I was on Bike Pack Canada website, just looking. And I saw someone had created this route in Alberta called uh, Exposed to the Elements. And it went from, uh, I think, Calgary or Canmore, something like that, and all the way across Alberta to the Saskatchewan border, which is, um, there's a cool park there called um, Cypress Hills Interprovincial Park, which looks really neat. I'm like, so you could plug that in 
okay, now you're already to Saskatchewan. So, I mean, I'm, then I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have some more time. Let's just see what happens. And Saskatchewan seems actually turning out to be a lot more interesting than I thought. And they actually have a lot of passionate, like, riders who want to see more routes in their province. Um, so I reached out, like, the power of Facebook, and they gave me a lot of great ideas. And then I learned, getting across Saskatchewan, it's not just about canola fields and, you know, grain elevators. There's actually some uh, pretty neat terrain there as well. Um, and then it just kept going and going. And Ontario, you know, Ontario's already there. Like, I just had to pick and choose which way to go across. Um, and then I got to Quebec, and there's been already work on a Quebec Traverse. So I had tons of ideas already from there. So we're through Quebec, and then you just have to piece together the Maritimes. And I was like, oh, my God, I finished. And there, it was like this continuous route. And I looked at the numbers and it was like 14,000 kilometers oh <laughs> across, <laughs> across the country. And I'm like, there it is. Wow. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's no turning back because I have this like compulsive kind of bikepacking creation kind of thing in my head. And I'm like, well, would anyone actually be interested in this? So I just started posting things and like that. And people are like, for wow, this like, we've been looking for something like this forever, not forever, but uh, wondering if this is actually possible, like across Canada. Um, so that's how, like, so now the great, uh, what's uh, now calling the great Northern bikepacking route is really taking shape. So it has its own website now. Um, I've already got people who are going to test out a bunch of the sections this season. Um, somebody emailed me this week and they're going to hop on, You've heard of the um, Eastern Divide Trail now, right? Yes. From bikepacking.com. Yep. So they're going to hop on that for in, I think, South Carolina or something like that, go all the way up to Maine. And they live in Duluth, Duluth, uh, Minnesota. So they're going to actually take this route all the way back. And the route goes right to their, like, basically to their front door. So they're going to follow through New Brunswick and then Quebec, Ontario. Um, I'm like, wow, like, there's no turning back on that now. <laughs> so yeah, when you say yeah. Eastern Divide, that was from uh, Newfoundland to the Keys, right? Yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah, I talked to Eddie O'Day about that. Yeah, uh, a, few, a few months back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, it's crazy. So now you can basically, yeah, you could basically circumnavigate North America. On yeah, some you could. Sort of... Yeah, you could start in Victoria and finish in the Florida Keys. Oh my God. By combining those routes. Like, can you imagine that? No. I don't know if you have time. Well, yeah. Well, you could be in Florida like in December, probably, and still be okay. Yeah. I that's think. like, we think 100K, um, like, a, so you have 14,000 across. And then what's the the Eastern Divide? Like, um, is it five? Well, or you six? cut off a bit of it. So, um, yeah. yeah, you're probably looking about like 18,000 kilometers. <laughs> So 100k. So like so like six months. Like if you if you yeah, yeah. if you're going cash, yeah. like 100k a day kind of thing. It's like six yeah. months. <laughs> oh, if only That's there was right. the kind of time to do that. It'd be crazy. Does does the but, the Great Northern Route does it traverse a lot of the um, Trans Canada Trail? Not so much. You know, that's the other thing I learned about is people are a little confused about that trail. First of all, a lot of it doesn't really exist i was looking like 
in places like Manitoba and stuff, there was just, I was like, why is there no heat map? Like heat, like when you look on Strava or ride with GPS, like no heat map activity on this. And it was like, well, people were like, it's not really a trail. It's like, it's not even there anymore. And I'm like, well, did they not? I don't even know who kind of came up with it in some places. Um, and in other places, it's actually not a trail. It's a waterway. Like in Northern Ontario. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would actually have to get in a canoe <laughs> or something. Right. And, and I think I've heard uh, that before where it's kind yeah. of, a, it is a bit of a mix of of wa- like hiking or biking or canoeing or, yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So it's not really, it's not really a biking trail. Like some of it's great. We, I mean, Ontario, we have beautiful parts of the Trans-Canada Trail and in other places they do, but you, you, you can't go across the country on bicycle on just following the Trans-Canada Trail. It's, it's impossible. And in some places it'd be just like riding in a ditch right. for hundreds of kilometers. <laughs> it's strange so, that uh, they would, that yeah. it would be designated as such if yeah. um, like a, a waterway to me isn't a trail waterway is a waterway, you know, it's, it's interesting yeah. that they would designate that as part of the trail. It's kind of confusing. Wow, that's cool. How much elevation gain is there when you uh, on that route? Oh, I don't know the total number, but I can tell you if you get out of BC <laughs> on this route, you are a hero because <laughs> it's plotted at forty-two thousand meters over two thousand two thousand two hundred kilometers. Oh, through no, BC, 2000, yeah, two, there's yeah. forty-two thousand yes. in BC. Yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think, yeah. So it's BC is a very nice warm up, I would say, to the warm prairies. It's so like immersion, <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so well, I mean, only time will tell. Well, if you know, some sections just need to be tamed down a little bit. I mean, I really wanted to reimagine what a long haul trip across Canada can be. So, like, why can't a fourteen thousand kilometer tr- route also include, you know, a few thousand kilometers a nice single track? and unmaintained roads and just just more of a mixture. Um, so maybe I've created a route, a long haul route for mountain bikers. I'm not sure yet, only time will tell. Um, but I think anybody who appreciates like the Dubai trails or even the Eastern Dubai trail um, could kind of see the value in something like this, something that's a little more diverse as like we were talking about before than just, you know, riding from Victoria to St. John's on rail trail and, you know, a lot more pavement. Yeah. Very cool. Um, do you think you're going to, you think people are going to go for FKTs on that thing or. Oh God. You know what? Like I, you know, I've, I've talked to people and my partner Tabby and I'm like, you think anyone will actually ever do this? And you know, I guarantee once, once it's all set up and everything, someone will. Like there'll be some crazy ultra rider from Slovenia or from Australia or something that are like, oh my God, there's this route up there. You know, it's got to be done. Um, but what I've also put on the website and I've mentioned is it's all also meant to be something people could do in segments. Right. Like I think you could do Victoria to, you know, Banff like the BC part. And that would be what I, what's plotted, like would be an adventure of a lifetime. Like it would be incredible. You would see everything. Um, I would love to 
fly to Winnipeg and ride home. Like I live in Ontario, ride home on the route. Now, like the, now I have an option for that. Or start in Quebec City and ride to, you know, Nova Scotia or something like that. So I think that is probably going to be the true value in this route is to give people a one month vacation, like on a bike route or something like that, instead of trying the full thing. You know what Canada needs is a train, like a proper train. System. I know, God. You know? Oh, like, don't even tell me, man. I don't know why Trying I thought of like, that when you're telling me uh, that, but it's just like to be able to to say me go down to Cranbrook and hop a train and take it to the coast and then ride back. You know, exactly. it's so easy peasy. Like yeah. instead of having to drop like 500 bucks on a plane ticket to yeah. to do that kind of thing, like why don't we have a train uh, system here? I, I don't understand. I, don't I mean, understand. we had the via, tra- via rail, but in a lot of places they won't take your bike. Oh, really? Like last year. Yeah, last year. I wanted to take the via rail to Ottawa from tr- like uh, like Toronto area, like Southern Ontario, and start the log driver's waltz from there, finish in Ottawa and take the train back. So I call them and they're like, oh, we don't have the baggage like, carrier for that anymore. Because for some reason they got rid of it during COVID and they haven't even brought it back yet. I mean, we're so, oh, it just me crazy. You'd have so to, car oriented. Yeah, you'd have to buy a seat for your bike. Maybe no, you, yeah, maybe I have no idea. They just said we can't take your bike. Oh my god! So, yeah. And and the thing is about that too is like the the train's probably not even full, right? You know, oh probably. Like, I'm not. sure there's tons of space where they could. It's a train, god damn it! There's tons yeah. of space to put it. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, like way more expensive than it should be. Probably it's just that's the Canada way for stuff like that. Unfortunately, yeah. So, my my sister's in. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland right now and she bought a train pass. I think it was like said it was six or seven hundred bucks. But it's and I can't remember how long it's for, four or five months or something like that. But you could just just hop around, train, 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 just go everywhere. Do whatever yeah. you want to do. It still sounds kind of expensive to me, but but uh yeah, I just we're Well really, it is Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other tangent. But yeah. the yeah, that she yeah. said it's so expensive there. Like so expensive. <laughs> Yeah. They must come here and just laugh. And she just flew there from India, right? So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so you go from, yeah. <laughs> you know, cheapest chips to like like opulence, you know, like just yeah. crazy. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, just bananas. Culture shock for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. Wow, that sounds really fascinating. Um, I've been wanting to ride across BC. That's been kind of on my radar as well. It'd be really fun. Especially, I think the one thing that I'm really excited about the um, – the um uh the buckshot is just you know i've mountain biked a little bit in that area but i haven't really done a lot of bike or i haven't done any bike packing you know i've you know done the southern part, part of bc basically on the bc epic mm-hmm. but i haven't kind of been up in that area so i'm really excited about seeing the terrain especially along the i think it's along the thompson right the thompson the fraser thompson thompson river valley yeah so i haven't really been in that riding in and around that so i'm really excited about that mm-hmm. or to be <clears throat> Can you tell me a bit more about how you get from, so you ride, uh, where do you cross the ferry to get to the big island on your route? Do you go, uh, you go to um, Porto Cove or are you going into uh, Tawasson when you ferry? Oh, across? you mean Vancouver Island? Yeah, when you when you leave the island and you come over to the mainland, where where do you cross? Oh, yeah, so you start at Victoria and then you go up and you cross over at Cor- uh, 
Comox, oh, okay, up there, over yeah. the Powell River. Oh, okay. Yeah. And th yeah. And then what the reason I want to do that, because I want to try and I'm going to head out there in May. Um, the huge amount of trail system that they have yeah. running down like the Sunshine Coast to like North Vancouver. Crazy. Yeah. It sounds awesome. So um, that really caught my eye on that. So uh, tell me, tell me more. So, so you're, you go across to, uh, are you crossing over to Lund? Is the so, Sunshine Coast? So you come down. Yeah. So you come down like Powell River, you go down. Um, there's a couple ferry crossings. Yeah. Um, I can't remember all the name of the towns yeah. now. I will remember that. Seashelt. Uh, right? You go through Seashelt. Yeah, 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 here. exactly. Yeah. And they've just, uh, I mean, I think a lot of that's used in the BC bike race. Yeah. The multi-day, the, the multi-day mountain bike route. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to go out there and test them out because I just have to see. Yeah. Some of it might just be a little too gnarly on a bike packing setup. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've heard the yeah, mountain yeah. biking in the, on the Sunshine Coast is pretty great. Like pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, fully yeah, fully so loaded might not be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to try that myself. But then, so, so do you go to you yeah. go to North Van, and then how do you go? Where do you go from there? Then you go up to Squamish. Yeah, um, Squamish, Whistler, okay. Hamilton. So you, there's a huge. Do you uh, take the Chequemus, uh, the Chequemus, the old Chequemus Challenge route from Squamish to Whistler, like where you go up kind of the Squamish um, River? I then... now mostly following. Uh, Miles Arbor from bikepacking.com yeah. has a, a sea to sky trail okay. uh, route up there. Um, so he gave me permission to use it. So I, I think they built all brand new trail like that you, that really keeps you off that main highway there. Um, largely all the way from Squamish to Pemberton. So a few hundred kilometers, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's that long, um, but that looks excellent. And it doesn't actually sound like crazy challenging, just really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that looks great. Um, and then how are you getting from like Pemberton over to say Lillooet? Are you going up, um, uh, see, I don't know if, um, Duff, no, not Duffy. You're not doing the Duffy Lake road. You're doing the other road over to Goldbridge around. Uh, I think, no, I think it's the first one. Darcy Duffy? is it Darcy. Yeah. It might be that what it's called. It's huge pass. Like a paved um, pass. No, I think it's, I think it's a dirt pass mm, okay. over to a dam. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into Lillooet from yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of my then, backyard um, for a while, so I, I'm, I'm familiar okay. a little bit with some of those areas. So, But, yeah, that's that's the ride I'm doing in May. I'm going to start in Victoria and then try to get as far as I can in a couple of weeks. I probably might just get to Lillooet, but if I get further. Um, but it's interesting because of all the 14,000 kilometers, it's like this sec some of this section needs the most scouting. So I'm like, well, I might as well, I might as well kick off, like, this this route like it may kind of like starting at the start and just see how it goes and do you have um, some partners coming with you do you have some people sign no up just you? just solo but yeah I, if people are if this is out there before may 10th um i put it out on social media as well as well if anybody wants to join me for summer all this route i'm definitely because i'm an ontario guy i'm not like a mountain guy so like i'm already freaked out about like all like not being like the top of the food chain for most of this route. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, oh, man, bears don't want anything more to do with you mm -hmm. than you do with them. No, I know that. Yeah. I saw, I saw a bunch on the log driver's waltz and it's so funny. You come to this black bear and it runs so fast from you. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've actually heard that Ontario bears are a little, um, a little different than, than BC bears. 
That could be. In yeah. that in that actually the, the bears in Ontario can be a little bit more aggressive. The black bears. Uh, I, I don't know. This is just what I've yeah, heard. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea of anything. Not the that. ones I've seen. You know, it's funny. This is a yeah. quick, quick tangent. I was listening to uh, like one of my favorite podcasts called the, um, the Armchair Experts with Dax Shepard and, and Monica Padman. And uh, there's this other side podcast I do called Flightless Bird with this uh, New Zealand guy, David Ferrier. And he went down to Florida to talk about the gladesmen, the people who live in the swamp, which is kind of doesn't happen much anymore. But they, they, they saw this huge alligator while they're touring it around. And, and the gladesman guy who's lived in the swamp for like 40 years, uh, David's like, if I jumped in the, in the water right now, would that gator snap me up? And he said, actually, no, it'd probably run away from you. You know, there's this, you know, we all, we, we think, you know, like I, I think Eddie O'Day was telling me when he was doing the Eastern divide and he was going through Florida, you'd go through the grassy sections and, and gators would be snapping at you from out, little baby ones snapping oh, at you from out of the grass. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, people are that afraid. That freaks of, me out. I know, right? People are afraid <laughs> of grizzly bears. And I'm like, yeah, but you're going through, you having dinosaurs snapping at you out of the grass. It's like, fuck that. But, yeah, uh, like when we were riding in Costa Rica, yeah. they were like, if if any of like the estuaries or any like river is like swollen, and you can't really see the bottom, Ugh. like you should not like you should try to find it, even if it's like two hundred meters across. You should try to find some local guy in a, like a canoe, because there could be like <laughs> crocodiles in there. And I'm like, and and one person was like, I remember this one lady's like, I think she said like, well, they might not just drag you they just want to like grab a limb and like take take your leg for dinner i'm like i'm like tabby man no river crossings that you can't see across oh my god but yeah, <laughs> yeah. just that 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 floridian guy saying that yeah if you jump in the water the gator wants nothing to do with you and you'll probably scare it away yeah. and we have this conception that they're just you know i'm sure with the right opportunity they would want to snap you up and drag you off into the into the bog <laughs> but it's like yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Most wild animals don't want anything to do with us, right? Mm -hmm. Still, though, it's like, you know, when I think about, um, you know, our Australian friends doing the race to the rock or the Pacific, the uh, Pacific wheel race or whatever, and they're in the dead and there's spiders and scorpions and snakes and shit like that, and everything kills you over there. You know, everything. Yes. I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's It's all relative, I guess, but. I don't know. You're going to have a big old can of bear spray, so you'll be all right. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, literally, like, I would say, like, maybe 12,000 kilometers of this route or something like that, you are in wildlife territory. Um, so I'd have to tell anyone coming over from, say, if you're from Europe or something and you're not used to it, you do have to be aware as you, I mean, we can say that bears are chicken shit most of the time from us, which is true. But you still have to, you still have to, like, you know, pay attention yeah. to what you're doing. What do you do with your food? What's your food habit when you're, uh, when you're bikepacking and camping? Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny in Ontario, you do get a lot of places in Ontario. You don't have to worry too much, but you do get a little lazy. And, um, I think, it, yeah, a couple of times I've, the worst of the raccoons more than the bears. Oh, you just come back from the shower or wherever, like down to the river to get water or something, you come back and a raccoon's ripping up your breakfast for the next day. <laughs> it's the worst. Trash pandas. God damn it. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think, uh, um, uh, you know, Guy Stewart, yeah. like Pack Foundry. Yeah, yeah. He's been giving me some tips on, 
you know, what better to do when I'm out in BC. So that's, that's been really helpful. What are, what are some of guys tips? I know he's a tipster. Oh, one of like, one of the great thing is just don't have any, like even just have open food touch, like, you know, touching your bags and your bike packing bags, things like that. Cause that, that just leaves a smell as well. And that's, you know, could attract um, problems. And then um, he gave me some really, a really great setup he uses for hanging his food in the tree, like a do-it-yourself do project. So maybe I'll try that. But uh, Explain it. Explain um, it to everybody. Uh, well, you get yourself this, a paracord. <laughs> it's a paracord. <laughs> you start with a paracord. And then uh, you had a really great idea. You get a little little bag that you have tied to the, I think it's tied to the, to the paracord. Um, you put some rocks in it, and that's what you throw over. And then you have your carabiners that you attach to the bag. And that's what you put your food in. And then you haul that up. So we'll He's see busy. how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. And it's a, you can buy setups like that on Amazon for like $50 yeah, or you can make your own for like $15. Yeah. You just need a little bag, <laughs> a little bag of yeah. rocks. I think I remember I was talking to Darwin Rakestraw, Darwin on the trail Darwin and that was his mo he had he had like a like a z-pack bag or whatever or dyneema it's like a super lightweight bag yeah <laughs> and he'd i looked at those it's hard to get those in canada yeah. for any reasonable price with the oh. shipping and everything so it's crazy. so expensive man like, oh it's, it's insane yeah what's your favorite piece of gear favorite piece of gear i two i think two pieces are I think it's Catadyne, Catadyne water filter. My favorite. It just, oh my God. It just has like the flask on the bottom. Yeah. And even, you know, even if I'm like on the T700 where there's so many services like everywhere. Um, it was so like, I realized like it was so hot last year. Like you can go to this nice river, flowing river and you get the water out of that river and it's a million times more refreshing than what's in your shitty water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> that's been like during for the last three hours. Yeah. So, like I would even, I even bring that on day rides. Totally. Like you're just like, you ever get to like a river and it's so hot, you have water in your water bottle, but you're like, oh my God, yeah. that water looks so good. <laughs> I kind of like so, from being a bike packer, like getting into that world, uh, I, I won't ride with a pack on my back. I mean, I, yeah. I did on the divide just to carry food, but if I'm just doing day rides around, around the Columbia Valley, uh, I bring one bottle. And I bring my catadine filter, and yeah, and I laugh the at awesome. yeah, I laugh at people who yeah. carry backpacks. They're carrying three liters of water on their back, and it's like, where's where's your backpack? It's like, what's all my shits in my bike? And I'm only have one <laughs> bottle, and I'm gonna fill it at that creek and at that lake and at that you know, it's just yeah. As long as you have access, I mean, yeah. some some routes some routes like that's not like viable. Yeah, of course. But in Canada, like Canada has so much water, right? Huntiful. Like that's what we're known for. Yeah. God, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. Um, so that's that. And then I've really, have you ever heard of the Bevo water bottles? No. B-I-V-O? I don't think so. Um, so they're, I didn't really get them. At, I was like, okay, it's a stainless steel water bottle. I'm like, how does that work for cycling? But they've engineered these stainless steel water bottles. So it has this incredible flow rate. You just pull it and it just like flows like into you. Um, so I've been trying a few of them and I will... I will never go back to a plastic water bottle again. These are the best things ever. Are they? Do they insulate a little bit as well? 
they have insulated versions. So like we had like this crazy April heat wave last week. I mean, second week of April and oh, we had I a 30 degree that. day. Yeah, I, I know, insane. That. I know. It's and bananas. then 30 to, yeah, anyways. Um, so I just filled one with like ice water, like ice cubes and water. And like four hours in, like I drank it. I'm like, oh my God, it's like ice water. Um, but the suit like has, it's been engineered for cycling, which I love. Um, so it has incredible flow rate. And it also resists like building up of gunk. Like I like putting, um, like I like putting like electrolyte stuff in my water sometimes. And uh, I think, it was, I mean, I realized last year on the log driver's waltz, I wasn't cleaning it as much as I should. So one morning I got up and there was like a Petri dish in my water bottle and I couldn't oh. really get down to clean it properly. Yeah. So, and it was going to be a couple hours before um, a good water place. And I was so dehydrated because I just couldn't drink out of this bottle because it was so gross. Um, so I love the option of the stainless steel. Um, it definitely resists like the bacteria as much. Um, so, I mean, they're more expensive than uh, plastic, but the last, they just, they don't go funky. They, in theory, they could last you a lifetime on that. So those are good tips. Yeah. I've yeah. been, I've been like preaching the catadine because I was a Sawyer filter guy there for mm -hmm. a while. And then, uh, yeah, I got my catadine one or catadine yes. or whatever. And it's just like, it's just, it's so easy to use and it just flows fast. You don't want to, oh. you don't want Super you don't fun. want like this pumping crap. No. Because like bike packers are tired. There's like you know, bike packers are not gonna cook a pizza at the end of the day and they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to spend five hours filtering the water through some pump thing, right? Yeah, like, no, I love that thing. Yeah, and then getting yeah. the getting the liter one too, because you can get you, you could filter a liter of water in, in under a minute easy with that yeah. thing. Yeah, and then you could yeah. you could like shake it out to fill it. I remember on that yo yo sitting I was sitting in a creek cooling off and i just had that that filter with me and i was just harvesting water from the bathtub mm -hmm. i was sitting in and just drinking it just sitting there cooling yeah. off <laughs> drinking water from all around me <laughs> like yeah it's uh oh. yeah I, I, the, the only the only thing i don't like about it is that i think it only does i mean compared to the sawyer filter i don't think it does as much it won't filter as much water before it has to be replaced if I'm not mistaken, I, I, the Sawyer one is like... I think it's still a lot. It's Oh, it's tons and tons, but the yeah, Sawyer seems like yeah. like far and away. Like it'll filter thousands of gallons more water than the Catadyne one. Would. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I think even the Catadyne, if you bike packed two years straight, I think it's still... Yeah, you're probably right. ...would hold up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. And the um, other thing, I mean... Tell me. The other thing I've followed kind of... I splurged last year and got that the crew uh crew to gps navigation device oh yeah 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 um i love it because the maps are just so superior to anything else and also it's a company that's all they focus on so they're always doing updates and improving the device so you always get like an update device um a lot of i just bring that up because a lot of people ask me about what they should you be using for navigation um and there i one thing i noticed with the bt700 a lot of people that's like kind of a make or break thing like when you can't figure out your navigation then your your ride is going way worse like if you don't have that nailed d dialed in then that's what i tell people first thing to figure out is like how are you going to get your navigation proper because that's so important 
I had an uh, E-Trax yeah. 30X for a while, for two or three years. Yeah. And then I just, it was okay, but they're kind of clunky, you know? Clunky, like, yeah. It's, it's fairly yeah. uh, old school. I don't even know if they still make it, actually. Um, but reliable, super reliable. Mm-hmm. The batteries lasted forever, lithium batteries. So before the divide, I got a Wahoo Bolt, like an Element Bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a cost thing. What was the ne- What's the next one up from that? Uh, Rome, I think. The Rome. The Rome. And, and it's okay. a bit bigger. It has a bit bigger screen. And But I went with the little one. Actually, they just replaced it because the, the charging port got all crusty and chunky. I don't know why, but it just it broke down. and mm-hmm. So I just got a new one. Um, but uh, to, to upgrade from that, and I know Garmin kind of does a lot of the same technology in terms of the way they map, the way they render maps and whatnot. But, but you're right, man. Having a really good navigation tool and what I like about that, that little Wahoo is it's just tiny. It's it's super small. It talks to your phone. And I'm sure you, the Crew mm-hmm. 2 one does as well. Like, do you just... Well, there's a couple of annoying things right now. They just... I don't know why they do this, but they don't have the Bluetooth hook. You, you, have, to, you have to upload every route via Wi-Fi, um, which is... I'm not sure the people who kind of came up with that ever actually do much traveling or anything yeah. like that. That can really leave you in a, um, this is my honest review, that can really leave you in a pinch. Um, so basically, if I plot something on a ride with GPS, I have to open up the Carew, like web webpage uh, and then like sign in or whatever, and then cut and paste that route into the, wa- the Carew page. And then it syncs to the Carew device, but you have to have Wi-Fi going. Like or uh, something connected, so yeah, that's yeah. the thing. With, yeah, with the with the Wahoo is you could you could be on cell data and download a something and then yeah send, yeah send it to. The I Wahoo. wish this yeah if this if if these guys got that I, I would say it was like the perfect device because I'm a big map guy like it has yeah. a, the most awesome map but on the downside that is kind of why the battery doesn't last as long because there's no there's no black and white setting you kind of have to would have to you know go on battery saving mode or whatever and i hate those modes um so that's kind of a like a downside on that is that you have to stay on top of your battery how much battery do you get how much lifetime runtime Um, that's a good question on full full power with all map navigation I still think it's it's probably six hours, five to six well, hours. Much. Yeah, I may be wrong on that. Like, don't get me wrong, but I know like when I've done bike packing trips, I need to charge it at some point during the day. Can you? Or it's going to run out on me. Can you charge on the fly? Can you charge it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's what I ended up doing. I think the Wahoo would get you turn on the lights off, turn the beeps off. You know, I I could maybe push it. I think twelve to fourteen hours it would run. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting a USB C cable. And I just had it powered off my dynamo. Like, so it, yeah. it stayed at a hundred percent, like all the time. Um, but I I'll also wonder if having it plugged in all the time and when the weather got gnarly, I would unplug it and close the cap, you know, cause I didn't want any water egress yeah. or ingress. But, uh, I, I almost wonder if the vibration of the cable being plugged in actually is what caused the power charger or the, the charging port to fail on the unit. I don't know. Something to consider. I, I'm not sure, but 
But yeah, the beauty of having a dynamo is just to be able to do that, to keep that thing running all the time. All the time. I could leave okay. the light on all the time, and there was enough power coming out <laughs> of the front wheel to to keep it at 100%. Yeah, I actually have it right here. It was in my pocket when I came over here. But uh, yeah, no, so it, it only failed me once. It, 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 it locked up on me once. And I ended yeah. up going a couple. I think miles. all devices are gonna go yeah. nuts. At well, least you know what? The Garmin route. never yeah. did. The Garmin never locked oh, up. Really? It never yeah. failed me, man. Like, uh, and I, I could get if you turn that thing off at night when you slept. Like, I would get two days, pretty much two days of riding on uh, two lithium a lithium AA batteries, like on the Garmin. So okay. I, I really dug that. But um, yeah, cool, man. Well, you're doing a lot of really cool stuff for Ontario and Canada. So. On behalf of everyone. Can I Thanks. talk about a couple other things? Of course with the you can. You can talk about whatever you yeah. want, man. It's your platform. Um, so it's not a true cross Canada route. And people, some people can't quite get their head around this. It's like, why would a cross Canada route go into the US? I don't know if you noticed that on the route. I would imagine in section. Ontario, does it kind of dip down? Yeah, because Ontario is like a northern, northwestern Ontario is like a bike packing or biking black hole where you basically have one option and that is to spend more than a thousand kilometers on the main highway right going around like, like there's just uh, no uh lake superior, lake superior. yeah That's, yeah but so that, know, that is a beautiful park though i've driven i know it's fucking beautiful yeah. like, it really is it's not great for cycling though oh no my shoulder. god <laughs> oh some places aren't that there's a lot of transport trucks there's a lot of rvs do you remember when you had um you, what was his name? You had the DJ guy. Yeah, Job Big. Yeah, Canada. he was saying it was pretty yeah. gnarly through there too. Oh, he said, <laughs> and he's not the only one. Um, like I had a friend who cycled uh, from Prince Rupert, BC to Newfoundland, all but all on road. And he showed me some videos of like kind of the, that area up there. It was like transport trucks threading the needle. And he was like, at night, he said a couple times, he was like, it was almost like, PTSD, like, like <laughs> yeah. he was so like stressed or whatever. Switched on, right? Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that alone has really made me like. Yeah. I was like, I'm never cycling across Canada. There's no way I would do that. Yeah. I mean, no amount of scenery could get me wanting to spend 1,500 kilometers on the main it's that far, on the main huh? highway. It's it's yeah. pretty long. That's a yeah. Long and even if it has a shoulder, like, like it's, it has a shoulder, but. I mean, you're just sucking transport fumes in for like yeah. days on end. Um, so I always had the ideas like, why couldn't you just go in the U.S.? Like, what's the big deal? And then I started plotting stuff and I'm like, this is actually pretty awesome. There's a ton of like forest land through like Minnesota and Michigan, um, like state forests. And Michigan like and Minnesota, they've built some like incredible trail networks. Like, um so the route goes through, actually the route uses one route from, um, do you know bikepackingroutes.org? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they have the Northwoods route. Okay. Which is up in that in, up in that area in uh, right. Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, so some of it's already established there. So it's just a matter of piecing from Manitoba to get back to Sault Ste. Marie. Um and they, so there's a like a, b- a bigger city in Minnesota called Duluth, which much people have heard. Have you ever heard of the uh, Duluth Traverse? No. So they put all this money in these trails. So you can literally cross this area in this town, like I think it's north of it, on 60 kilometers 
a purpose-built flowy like trail like that's a, like to me that sounds like okay why would i want to be battling the transport trucks when i could do that yeah, yeah. safety um, right like if it's safer yeah, for sure you know and it's safer and beautiful yeah. then why not right yeah and michigan's got a really really robust bike packing scene um so i should probably have no trouble getting people out testing testing those areas this summer um yeah they have a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that state for sure yeah cool so yeah nice work man when's when's the one of the different events run this this year in ontario do you have the dates in your head uh yeah so the bt grand apart is the third week third weekend of june there and so i think uh maybe 110 signed up so far wow awesome so that's pretty good yeah i mean there's always like 30 percent of people don't yeah. show up but yeah um so there's that one two weekends before that i have the no winter maintenance weekend so that's the party kind of like a party atmosphere on the trail cool. uh i know i don't think i'm doing it but i know they're running the log drivers waltz again um in july I don't want to say for sure. I think it's the third weekend in July, um, but I would encourage people to do that because that's an amazing route. Um, and people don't realize there's a, so the BT-700 starts from St. Jacobs and there's now, you can fly from several places out West, uh, Calgary, Kelowna, Vancouver, Abbotsford, Winnipeg, on Flair Airlines, which is kind of like a discount airline. And you could land in Waterloo Airport where I am. And that's only about half an hour from the start line. So it's actually not that hard for people. If if people wanted from out west wanted to come out and ride. Of course, of course they do. They, there's like uh you could and it's only like three maybe like three hundred dollars now to fly out. Oh, that's so, not too bad. And you don't have, and you don't have to fly into Toronto, which is a huge bonus. Um so I just wanted to put that out there. That's like, that's how I'm getting out to Vancouver is I could just fly from like a smaller airport, which is great. Flair. I have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the, I mean, the BT is on my radar. The, the log drivers is certainly on my radar. Cause that basically circumnavigates where I grew up. Where I used to live. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be really cool to, to experience that 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 terrain like because I, I wasn't a, a cyclist you know i didn't do mm -hmm. any of that kind of cycling you know when i was a kid growing up there but it's it's on my radar i don't see it happening this year but uh yeah it's it's gotta it's gotta happen it has to happen but the problem when you're bike packer every everything's on our radar there's only well, like we all want to do era yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it'd be nice yeah. to do something like uh, like in a foreign country too like just yeah. you know like the silk road or the the Atlas mountain race or, um, you know, every time the ITI starts, I get itchy. Like, I don't know if I have the experience and know how to actually do uh, the Iditarod or not, but when I see, yeah, that's you know, a whole, like that's a whole different beast. I know Kurt Refsnyder went out there and toured it quote toured the, the ITI, right. It's like, you know, you, you hear about all these people racing it, but, but, but for a group of people to go and, and ride it for pleasure, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, Awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's just amazing, right? I I gotta talk to that guy actually. Um but uh let's let's switch gears and let's talk about food. Do you want to talk about food for a little food? bit? Sure. I well, actually I am working on another project. Right. Uh, so our trail project? Working. 
Okay, let's go. Oh, well, trail. I'm slow, so just slowly piecing together like right. a bike packing cookbook. Oh, cool! Very cool. You're like, what the hell is a bike packing cookbook? Who what is a bike packing a cookbook? Bike when I could just eat gas station food. For... <laughs> <laughs> um, I just had an idea. It's like, okay, how do you keep people? Because people, like, I remember like I was starting the when I started the Grand Depart with the BT last year for the first time. People are like, oh, I'm carrying, you know, some of the energy balls from your book or whatever like that. And it gave me an idea. And I'm like, so I thought like, well, could I come with a realistic cookbook where it was broken down into three parts? It was like morning, day and night. Um, so the morning and night wouldn't be things that you could actually make like on the, like at your campsite or whatever. And the day stuff is more stuff like you would probably make at home and bring for the day. Or give you some ideas of what you can make, like from a grocery store and things like that. That's a good idea. Also, That's a good yeah, idea. yeah. So, because um, it has to be, and I want it to be realistic because I see a lot of camping cookbooks, and you're like, oh, no one's going to ride 200 kilometers at the end of the day and want to make like, you know, pull out the little camp skillet, which you probably don't have. And make like you know hot cross buns or you know yeah. or like mini pizza. So I want it to be things that you could actually make from a if you brought it from home, b or like if you're on a longer trip that you can't find at any grocery store and still cook, make yourself on a campground. Um, so it's kind of like a project I have for myself for this year, and it also encourages me to kind of like get out there and test these kind of things and have a little more fun fun doing that so it'll probably just be it'll probably just be an ebook or something like for free or whatever um but kind of give people a little more idea of how to like maybe be a little more better with what they eat a little more satisfied with what they eat and take a little more um i don't know responsibility i don't know if that's the right word for kind of what they're eating as well oh. instead of just rely just relying on you know the process stuff to a maximum degree it's like yeah. the, the least amount of effort <laughs> for calories yeah basically what it usually is um yeah. you know for yeah. I, I just had a thought i'm gonna put it out here uh copyright matt katie uh you make an app create an app yeah like the, put your cookbook on an app rather than being like an ebook it could just be like an app on your phone yeah um, you could like say what you want like you know i want dinner or something and then it would come up or whatever yeah and then it would like yeah. search for the grocery stores in your area you can make it all <laughs> you can make it all advanced like that that sounds pretty complex way above my pay grade <laughs> load it load in your into your gps the directions yeah. to get to the grocery store yeah i'm just yeah. but, uh, but i it, figure like like I'm a like I'm a bike packer, I'm a dietitian, and I'm a professional cook. So I got I must I must have some ideas of what to do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. What is there a, is there a, a a particular recipe that's easy that comes to mind that you will want to share right now? Uh still really in the process yeah. of thinking them all together. Um, but I but it's more like using things that cook quicker. Yeah, like I want to like. I want to come up with creative ideas of like, what can you do with couscous? Because that's just like couscous is something you just have to add hot water to. Yeah, like or you don't you actually probably cold to soak it. it too. You cold soak it, couldn't you? Yeah, like, you could. Whatever. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, overnight or for a few hours. Um, so thinking of more creative ways to use those than just like the standard kind of stuff. You know, what can 
like you could make uh, a spice like i want to come up with like ideas for like making a spice mixture beforehand that you bring with you and then you just grab a can of a salmon like couscous from a grocery store and like could you have like salmon curry couscous for dinner with like minimal effort and minimal cost and i think that's definitely a possibility yeah for sure man i remember <clears throat> i'll share something a little recipe that i had i, I stopped i don't do it anymore but you know, I used to, I have no problem. I was a coffee roaster, right? So I always had coffee around. And I would, one day I took, and I would eat, I could eat coffee beans. Like it didn't bother me to eat the odd coffee beans. It's kind of grady and whatever, but they taste good. Mm -hmm. um, so it was one day I went for a day ride and it was super hot outside. And I put like, um, like a couple handfuls of coffee beans, a couple handfuls of peanuts and a couple handfuls of, mm -hmm. of chocolate chips. And I went for a ride and it ended up melting in my bag. So I went to eat some of it and I pulled it out and it was like, it actually melted into like this tube and it was basically coffee beans, <laughs> chocolate and peanuts. And I was like, uh, took a bite and I'm like, damn, that's really good. Right? <laughs> Super good. So I ended up yeah. using a recipe. I think it's, is it called the whitewater cookbook? Is it a whitewater cookbook? Um, but they had this recipe for, um, oh shit. Uh, but it basically uses like brown rice syrup, right? And then uh, it was like brown rice syrup, peanuts, uh, peanut butter, uh, and then ground coffee and chocolate chips. I put it in, and I would melt it and mix it all up. And then I would mold them, okay. mold them in like a silicone muffin thing. And I would have, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I called them like um, I I'd cut them into bars at first, but then I started making balls and like discs out of them. But I called it because I liked Indonesian. I called them Indonesian buzz balls. So they were the, just these balls of like ground coffee and, and they were delicious. But I, th I don't think that you can get any caffeine hit from from just ground coffee. It needs to be soluble. No, it needs to soak. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be in water. So then I kind of, I dumped this. I'm not getting the caffeine out of it anyway. <laughs> so I just yeah. I gave up the whole recipe. But the flavor. The, oh, the flavor was so good. <laughs> and then in, in, in the winter, of course, they're like little bricks. They were hard to eat. But uh, yeah, it's it's... I, I often, you know, I, I tried to, to make stuff for bikepacking races and journeys and mm -hmm. I kind of gave up on it because one, I could never carry enough, right? I could never make enough to carry enough to, to fit, to complete. That's always the challenge. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting because then you bring up the grocery store thing, right? You can go buy X, Y, and Z. You can mix it all up and make this thing. And then, you know, you could make a couple days maybe worth of food, you know, inexpensively and, and take it with you. It's a great idea, Matt. Yeah. And it can save some money. Um, for example, like I have, I'm going to come up with a bunch of like instant oat mixes, like flavor mixes and things. So, um, I mean, that easily you could bring like four days of breakfast with you, like in like little individual like packets or whatever, but also trying to be like a really creative with those like, so it's not just like maple brown sugar, <laughs> you know, instant oatmeal. It can be a lot more nutritious like that and a lot more. And also, trying to maximize calories too. These, these shouldn't be like low calorie no. <laughs> kind of like diet kind of uh, recipes. Um, and it's such so a, it's a yeah. and it's such a mood boost too, right? To eat, to eat good food, like good, oh, warm sati food, yeah. satiating yeah. food when you're out there. It's so important. That's cool, man. What other, what other, what's your most recent book project that you worked on before this? Oh, it's, it was the rocket fuel cookbook. It's a okay. few years now. Okay. Yeah. 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 So nothing, uh, nothing in the works on like 
a real published kind of book. What do you, what do you, what do you think a lot of bike packers and endurance racers, what do you think the, the biggest mistake they make when they're trying to feed themselves and hydrate themselves? Uh, waiting too long. There's actually really good research. I mean, and we're all different. I mean, oh, we could talk about nutrition science and still not get through to anything that's actually proven. Um, but there's some good science, like, and I know from my experiences, it's like, I'm going to ride three hours and then have my lunch or, you know, like you, you have this mindset, oh, you know, food's coming. Um, but once you get to a certain low, it's very hard to bounce back from that. Um, so there's, there's a, some really good studies that show like Steve, let, let's say I gave, you needed like X amount of calories in an hour for an hour of riding whatever, let's just say 500, totally making that up. And you waited to take those 500 calories at the 59 minute mark, or you took 200 calories at 15 minutes, 200 calories at half an hour, and like you broke it up. And they actually found people's endurance was much better by spreading it out. Right. So I think it, it just has something like, um, it prevented like your uh, blood sugar levels stayed more stable and less of a draw on your uh, muscle energy stores, which is glycogen being the main one. Um, so I used to like, I'm being guilty of that. You're just like, you just want to keep riding. You know, we have that mindset, like ride, ride, eating is a waste of time. It takes too much time. Um, so trying to get in the mindset, if you can eat like maybe a little less more often, I think a lot of people can benefit from that. And that's why I like, like, whenever I go on a bike packing trip, I'll, I'll make a bunch of like energy balls because, you know, they're transportable. They don't take up too much room. They can last like some of them can last like a week in your bags. Um, and I'll just kind of, you know, sometimes eat those kind of on a more regular basis until, you know, um, maybe sitting down to like more of a substantial meal. Mm -hmm. And I've actually find that for me, I know that works a lot pretty well. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> like I always recommend people um like you you can eat you can eat garbage all day long, but at least try to get one good meal. Good hot meal. Yeah. And it doesn't I mean it could still be it could still be fast food, but tr like try to get a hot meal into you. Yeah, of some type. Yeah. Um but what uh, what you say about spreading the the calorie consumption out makes so much sense because I think what a lot of people forget too is that um, you know, you're taxing your body so much and your body is so busy doing other things like powering muscles to, to make this machine move that it, it, I think it diverts energy away from digestion and away from food absorption and stuff like that. So if you overwhelm the system with food, like a lot of people will, will sit down after three hours of riding and cram 800 calories or a thousand calories in their body. Um, and the body can't process that, you know, you basically put almost a day's worth of calories in the body at once and it's, it's going to sit there and you're going to end up being sick because the body's like, yeah. I don't want this. I, you know, this is way too much. So the idea of like basically microdosing your food, like over the course of, of the Spread day, it over. yeah, it totally makes sense because it's, it's less taxing on the body than, than like, I know, um, there was a rider, um, Brooke Smith is his name. He set the FKT last year on the BT 700. Some crazy time. I think it was like 48 hours, something like that's insane. Like I know this route that is, um, 
it basically he said it because he lost his phone i think i remember him telling the story he lost his phone so he decided not to sleep anymore because he was worried that because his phone was his alarm and he <laughs> would sleep in he would miss anyways crazy stuff interesting logic <laughs> but he was smart like he had i think on the garmin like you can have an like an alarm oh yeah so i think it went off like every so often as a reminder you need to eat and you need to drink right so he was keeping on top of like that part of it i'm not sure um if he was able to maintain that for the whole way because i know like after you get tired and stuff like that it can really start to impact those kind of efforts um but i thought that was like brilliant like he just had this kind of reminder um to keep on top of his like hydration and his nutrition needs yeah it's funny because you you wouldn't think that that would be something that you'd have to think about but it's you do forget it's like really easy to forget mm-hmm. i mean on the- and i know like go ahead no you go no i know like uh yeah i just i mentioned like once you get it too low it's very hard to bounce back from that yeah. like you can't just hit the golden arches and expect oh. to feel great after that ever <laughs> ever ever <laughs> man you know what we just tangent we just we just got a mcdonald's in invermere and uh <laughs> i don't frequent mcdonald's but uh I work across the street and as a, as kind of a train for training purposes, they were inviting shops around the area just to come in free lunch, come in, you know, just, mm-hmm. just to get the staff kind of up and running with the, the procedures. And, uh, you know, I went in and got my thing and I think not even halfway through that meal, I just started feeling really gross, like just really gross. <laughs> <laughs> more more than any other fast food I've ever eaten. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm an AW fan or, you know, DQ or whatever, but, and I don't eat a lot of fast food, but I just felt instantly poor after, after eating a McDonald's meal. Sorry, McDonald's. I don't know what they do with that food, <laughs> man, but it's, it's, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's just, just so processed and so, I don't know how many, how much synthetic food is in it. <laughs> I just don't know. It just does not sit well. Don't go to McDonald's. Yeah. Um, no, that's what was I going to say. Oh, I, I, on short, on a sh- couple shorter events, I've used um, like Tailwind. Like, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't sponsor me or anything like that, but I've, I've talked to them. I've talked about them a lot on here. Like I was really impressed with, and, and, and I think that covers the idea of hydration and um, uh, topping up glycogen at the same time. And electrolytes all in one drink, and I found yeah that, they're they're higher calorie stuff. Yeah, like I think with like, yeah. a couple hundred calories in two scoops, I think it might mm-hmm. be. Um, but you're also getting the potassium, the magnesium, the sodium. You're getting all that stuff as well as the glycogen. Um, I think it's a it's a fructose glucose mix. Like it's not it's it's you know it's not like maltodextrin or you know garbage sugar. It's just like good pure but man i found that so uh, satiating and i found that when i got to resupplies um i wasn't as desperate to eat whatever i could get in my face you know yeah it's a good point like if you're at that point you've gone too low that's what my that's what i think like if you if you finish a ride like sometimes i finish a ride and like all i can think about is food right like eating and you know like okay that's that's a sign you you haven't really yeah. taken care of what you needed. Yeah. Well, that's a really good tip. Actually a super good tip yeah. because I think it, it's true. I think a lot of people forget, you know, and the idea of just making sure you always have some food with you. Um, 
I've never run out of food. I, I think I, I tend to carry more than I need. Um, and I always seem to have leftover, which maybe means that I'm not eating enough. Could be that I'm not eating enough either. Um, I'll tell you an experience I had. Maybe you can confirm that this, but when I was down south on the last couple hundred K of the divide, I was just drinking my calories. I wasn't eating any food. I just wanted to do the last 200 and get it done. And I was just drinking like, you know, coffee and soda and iced tea and, and I was eating gummy worms and stuff. And I started near the end. And of course you mentioned this before, just about how your water, it's just like piss water, right? After a while, it's just, it's hot. And it's, it's unappetizing. It's so yeah. it's not palatable at all. And the, yeah. the thought of even hydrating with it sucked, right? So I wasn't drinking enough. Plus I was eating all this sugar. I started to get really dizzy and I kind of felt like, I almost felt like my blood was syrup. Like I felt like I was hyperglycemic. That's kind of what I felt like. And, and I said, oh, man, I got to stop. I, I got off the bike for a minute and I took a bottle of the, of just the most warm water and I just I could barely choke it down but I drank a bunch of water like just tons and tons and tons of water and it it seemed to balance it all out like it went away right away is that a thing can you can your blood sugars get to the point where you is dizziness kind of a thing well it's probably more like hypoglycemia is hypo so like yeah yeah, when your sugar spots yeah and you're like well how can I drink have all this sugar and be hypo but maybe your body is just like responding in a way that it's sucking it up and then um you're what can happen is like you get hyper so much and then you can have a crash it's kind of right um one of the downfalls of having too much sugar in your diet right so it's like you have like this like roller coaster kind of thing going on right. whereas unless as opposed to like stabilizing your blood sugar yeah more on an even keel which is like the best part so yeah, or my body's yeah, just you're probably so much insulin into my system. Yeah, <laughs> but after a while, if, like if you kept doing that, that's where you could have issues like metabolic issues. And that's, you know, that's where diabetes kind of sets in. Right, yeah, that's yeah. I kind of jokingly, in no disrespect to people yeah. who are suffering with, is it type two? That's the yeah. the, the the genetic type, I guess. But I felt like after no, that, the, I got that wrong type. type Type one type, is type one's a genetic. Genetic, yeah. okay. I was yeah. like, you know, after I finished the divide, I thought I was going to be diabetic. <laughs> Just after, like, I'd hit a subway and I would, you know, they have the bottomless sodas there, right, in the states, and they have those massive yeah, fats. And I was just like, I would drink three of those of orange soda, like just glucose, just high oh, syrup, high fructose corn syrup. I was just <laughs> guzzling that shit. And yet I still probably lost 20 pounds. Like, <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. And there was even a study uh, a few years ago on endurance athletes, and they found they typically can have worse worse dental health than the general population. <laughs> and it's just all the sport nutrition products. Yeah. Like, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I can totally see that, especially if you're just chawing on gummy bears and candy bars oh those chews are the worst like they stick to your teeth (laughs) and like half an hour later you're on your ride you're like well i got a little bit of like watermelon flavor on my just (laughs) keeps giving that's great just keeps giving right (laughs) yeah that's good to connect with you matt any other projects you're working on you want to talk about uh a lot going on hey no i think that's it um people can go to greatnorthernbikepacking.com 
to see the roots. Um, I'm actually, I'm looking for a ton of help on it. Um, mostly from people who live along the areas and have feedback about what's, what's plotted and also people who really would be interested in getting out there this season and, uh, testing stuff out. Um, for various reasons, I can't scout a 14,000 kilometer route on my own. What's your problem, Matt? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I need to get out there. Um, so yeah. I'm really trying to make it a community effort. And again, it's not, I'm not, I haven't like reinvented the wheel from scratch. There's a lot of awesome routes that I've been able to, to incorporate into the, into the, like the mega project on a whole. So that's great. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, it'll probably be a couple seasons, a couple of years before it's kind of where I would say, you know, for sure you could go out there and ride this route and it's like 100% kind of like, Perfect. I think you could ride it right now and 90% of it would be workout, but you'd have to maybe expect 10% to be like, oh, what an asshole. What this is <laughs> this is not why did he send me this way? <laughs> this is not working at all. So um That's funny. it's just kind of it, it's a lot of work to kind of it's gonna be a lot of work to nuance all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well together. we have a great community, man, and there's no reason yeah. why, you know, if people should get out there and and try out some of these sections and reach out to you, let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've heard it from a lot of riders from all over the country and in the U S already. So that's great. Cool. So it should be uh, no turning back now. You yeah. know, the website's already all up and <laughs> the route is out there in the world. Nice. So um, yeah. are you going anywhere exotic in the next little while? Uh, nothing planned, but I need to, it's been, for various reasons, it's been uh, like three years now since the last kind of big trip. So yeah, um, it's yeah. I, it would be nice to do that sooner than later again because I love I love world travel. Yeah. It's just I love experiencing different cultures on two wheels. It's just um, something I really enjoy. Cool. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for connecting with me today. Yeah. Sorry to be a flake yesterday. No I've been pretty flaky. It's okay. I've been pretty flaky. We're all flaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll chat soon. I want to thank Matt again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah, it's always easy to talk to that dude. It's got so much interesting advice, right? Like talking about gear, talking about food. Um, and it's interesting too. You know, I've, I've made that mistake so many times where you don't eat enough and you get into that deficit and it's really hard to get yourself, get your body back. Um, it's a good habit eating and drinking on the fly all the time. Anyway, I hope you dug it. Uh, if anyone out there is wants to contribute, please reach out to Matthew Katie. Um, you can find him, uh, either at the BT 700 site, you can, uh, head on, head on over to great Northern And, uh, there's a section in there where he's looking for contributors just to basically vet the trail. Um, and this projects like these, uh, take a lot of effort, a lot of hours, a lot of people. So don't be shy and reach out. If you have any information about any part of that route, let Matt know. And um, if any of you out there have ridden it, <laughs> get, get in contact with me. I'd love to talk to you about your experience. Sounds like it would take a good healthy part of the year to finish it. And uh, I envy those of you out there who have that kind of time. So thank you.
Again, if you want to support the podcast, give it a five-star rating and a review on, on your favorite listening platform. Um, Redshift Sports Dyna- Redshift Sports saves you 15%. Dynamic Cyclists save 25%. Ryan Draper at Cycling 101 save 50%. All the same code MB40 is going to save you on those um, services. So uh, that's a great way to support the podcast is to support my supporters, and I thank you. If you want to become a patron to get early access to episodes, you can do that as well. Just head on over to patreon.com slash myback40, sign up for five bucks a month, and you're going to get early access to episodes just like this one I'm about to put out. So I want to thank all of you for tuning in as usual. Um, I hope that your week has been stellar and that you are listening to podcasts and learning lots of shit because man, I've been learning a ton too. And I always learn from you. So thanks for reaching out to me. I appreciate your engagement and your love and support. And stay tuned. I've got another podcast coming, hopefully, in a week. Keep the rubber side down. Bye.